we have something really exciting. I want you to turn your attention to the screen. We're going to have a live baptism next service, but you guys get to watch the video. So turn your attention to the screen. Hi, my name is Rebecca Pond. I'm 16 years old, and I've been going to Verde Valley Christian Church since I was a baby. How did you come to know Jesus? God has been a part of my life since I was a baby. I started to make him a part of my own life when I became a Yeti with Doug and Tanny. I enjoyed helping out with children's ministry over the summer and helping set up for summer's great adventure. As I got older, I started to go to youth group. Youth group has become such a big part of my life. I enjoyed being a part of the student leadership program over the summer and now helping out in the sound booth for music. Going to winter camps and going to Mexico has had such a big impact on my life. Being able to see how much he has worked in my life and seeing me grow closer to him has been amazing. Why are you choosing to be baptized? I'm choosing to be baptized today because I feel like this is my next step. Being an intern with Tani and this past Mexico trip, God has shown so much light into my life. I've been so much happier making him my main focus and I'm excited to fully commit to him. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Yes, I do. Do you believe that he died and rose again to pay the penalty for your sin? Yes, definitely. Are you ready to bury your old life and be raised to new life with Jesus? Yes, I am. Are you ready to follow him as your Lord? Yes. Hey, Verde Valley Christian Church. Thank you so much for being a part of who we are here at VVCC. Whether you've been all in with us for 20 years or you're brand new and just taking steps with us for the first time. Whether you attend services in the room with us or you're participating online, you being a part of Verde Valley Christian Church makes a big difference. More specifically, you choosing to allow Jesus Christ to impact your life and shape the way that you make decisions and to shape your actions impacts eternity in ways that are beyond anything we'll ever know. And I just wanna give you a quick but important update about our services that our leadership has been talking about for the past few weeks. Our board and our lead team have agreed that our next best move is to consolidate our current services to two new service times, 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., starting on August 15th. With these two new consolidated service times, we're gonna be able to interact and see more of each other during our services and also be encouraged by more of each other's presence and our voices as we worship together. So please make sure you mark your calendar for August 15th as we start our new service times, the first one at 9 a.m. and the second one at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again so much for being with us, and I'm looking forward to see what God is going to do in and through our church as we continue to take steps following after him. All right, children, this is time for you, four years old through fifth grade, to follow the children's team out to your area for Children's Church. Thank you for joining us in worship. And the rest of us, we are beginning the series called I'm All In. You're probably thinking, we, I thought we did that. We are doing the five core statements of our church in five weeks, and we are going to uh, bring all of us together in a unified way under those core statements, which are really core to Jesus and what he teaches and what it means to follow him. 
So, I'm all in. Today we're looking at the topic, love God wholeheartedly. There's five statements though. Love God wholeheartedly, do first things first, don't do life alone, save people, serve people, and followers say, follow me. So those are going to be the titles for the weeks to come. So as we begin today, um, normally when I am up here, there's going to be one of two hats or both hats, and even in my prep time, there's one or two hats or both hats or more hats, but the two hats I'm talking about is me as a teacher and then me as a pastor, and those two, although they're similar, they're different. I am wired to teach, and I am called to pastor. And when I was preparing to teach this session, you can imagine that all of my wiring is to take what's here and bring it to you. But as the week went on, there was a sense of tragedy in our community. There was a sense of heaviness in our community. And one thing after another, and maybe it's because I am a pastor, I'm aware of more than uh, most people of what's going on in our midst, the level of heaviness was growing through the week. And so I took off my teacher hat and began to rearrange this message with more of a pastoral hat to address where we're coming from. So let me begin there. I'm going to definitely put my teacher hat on. I can't help it. That's who I am. And let me begin there to talk about how in our heaviness, um, there is a sense in which uh, we feel particularly heavy when what we ask God for, maybe this is your experience, um, didn't happen the way we asked. And we just feel uh, discouraged and, and it's hard. And I believe everybody has been through that before. We're gonna be looking at a statement of Jesus that on the surface you might think that doesn't really address this, but it really does. The statement of Jesus has to do with his answer to the question, what is the first and greatest commandment? And we're going to look at that in some detail, and yet it answers for us a lot of what we're going through and the guidance we need. So let's go to the chief shepherd for him to pastor us, to guide us, to care for us, even in his teaching, to bring us to a place that we need to come. Now, I believe that that particular teaching provides the answer to that heaviness that we experience, but it also, that particular teaching is the very point at which we experience the struggle so both the answer and the struggle will come right in the teaching about love God and love people. While we struggle, we find it difficult to go there because we feel let down or disappointed, and sometimes our struggle is with people, and we have a, that being the very struggle point of our lives, but at the same time, what Jesus teaches right there about loving God and loving people and having this wholehearted love for God is where the answer is found. All of us have a tendency to want to have that happily ever after feeling. And too many of us will evaluate our relationship with God by whether we're experiencing that happily ever after feeling. And sometimes we feel so let down because we were praying so hard for a miracle that didn't happen 
and we wonder what just happened to the happily ever after, which seems to be implied in your promise. And let me just say this quite clearly. Happily ever after doesn't come until after. Jesus Christ came to provide a happily ever after to our lives. But he died paying a price to give us the happily ever after. He was crucified. The apostles totally believed in that message, that in his crucifixion and in his resurrection, he was providing a happily ever after for us. But they didn't believe that the happily ever after comes in our next page or our, the ending of this chapter. They believed it only came at the ending of our whole story, after. And then we enter into the happily ever after. These disciples of Jesus were so bought into, all in, to Jesus' message that they gave their all to the point of martyrdom just as Jesus was martyred because they believed in the happily ever after. So the next time we start to question our faith and enter into the struggle of faith. Remember that the happily ever after, the whole picture, the promise is after the entire experience of our battle. And right now, although the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now, we are certainly in a battle. And it's a battle of faith and depending on where your battle is and how you're living out that battle, it can be a battle of doubt. And so we have to choose to love God and choose to love people. And the very commandment that is the greatest and first commandment becomes our compass, our answer, while at the same time it is the lightning rod that attracts a battle in every one of our lives. Do you understand what I just said? It is the core and centerpiece of what it means to follow God and follow Jesus. And yet it is the core and center at which we will experience every battle we experience. And the first time I ever came to that awareness was having to slow down through the tragedy and put on my, what is this all about and how do I bring this truth to us while we're hurting? Oh, the word of God is so rich. Oh, the word of God is so, so rich. As you just slow down and meditate on it and think about it some more and God in his spirit talks to you through the circumstances you're experiencing, you're gonna learn so much more. It's not, oh yeah, I know this. And we're gonna jump into a passage where you've probably grown up and you go, oh yeah, I know this one. And then we're gonna discover, oh my, that was my discovery this week. I've taught through this and taught through this and taught through this. And yet, as we live through it, it is even more powerful than we can imagine. So, pastorally, let's begin with prayer. Father God, there's been hurt in our community. There's been tragedy in our community, more than one. A number of things that hit us all because there's, the whole world is so connected and we hear and know so much of the heaviness of the kingdom of darkness coming against us and the kingdom that you've established, the kingdom of light in that clash. Today, would you give us the tools and equipment 
to be able to stand in the middle of the gap, knowing that the kingdom is here, and yet you've asked us to pray that your kingdom would come, that it is not complete and fulfilled in a final victory which we anticipate. And so, Lord, even when it hurts, and even when we're suffering, and even in our struggle, point us to you again today, that we would love you wholeheartedly, no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's begin. Jesus' teaching and Jesus. There's nothing more central than Jesus, and I don't believe there's anything more central to Jesus' teaching than this teaching as it relates to how to live. Of course, we've got to put his life together with his crucifixion and his resurrection to be able to pull this off. Matthew 22, 34 through 40, reads this way. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. If you're ready to go, point number one is this. The first and greatest commandment is, point number one, surprising. Surprising. Now, if you heard me read this, you go, oh, yeah, I know this one. It's not surprising to you. In fact, you're familiar with it. And there's a danger there to live in too much familiarity where you think you've got this one. Do you? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's surprising. We, of course, react to it like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think when the audience who Jesus spoke it to heard it, that was their reaction as well. But in the context, it was not what they expected. I mean, if you take a look, this religious expert in the law was testing Jesus. He asked a question to test him. I think in his own uh, expertise of the law, he figured whatever commandment Jesus picks as the most important, here's what I'm going to say. And yet here's the surprising thing. Jesus answered the question about the most important commandment with two commandments and tied them together and made them one. And that is what surprised the expert and he has nothing to say. The first commandment he took it was also surprising in that it was not out of the Ten Commandments. And the second commandment he took was also surprising in that it was even out of a more obscure place and not out of the Ten Commandments. 
And so the first commandment he stated, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, is Deuteronomy 6, which every Israelite who was devout recited two times a day. So he picks one they're very familiar with, but then adds this twist, which everybody goes, oh, wow. And we need to get a hold of what was surprising because it became one package. The second commandment that he used and packaged together with Deuteronomy 6 was Leviticus 19.18. And you thought, Leviticus? Who lead, whoever reads Leviticus? There's some good stuff in Leviticus, and once you understand how Leviticus really is a precursor to the entire gospel that's coming, it's amazing, but be that as may, it's one package. Now, I'm going to render a literal translation, um, or an attempt to. Now, let's move on. So there's this surprise packaged two commandment package together. The first and greatest commandment is number one, surprising. The second point is the first and greatest commandment is strongly relational. Strongly relational. It cut right through the Experts' frame of reference. Now, um, I realized I printed off the wrong notes, so here I go. The thing that really messed him up was this. He's expecting it to come out of the Ten Commandments. It doesn't come out of the Ten Commandments. It's not a list of rules, as he expected. It's not from an outside-in perspective where as a religion leader, here's what you got to do and here's what you don't do. Now, I don't know if you know this about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, uh, nine of them are stated in the negative. It mostly lists off what you should not do. Be careful not to do this. Be careful not to do this. Only it's a lot more firm. Thou shalt not in the older English, Right? Jesus didn't take the thou shalt nots. He says you shall. And you will. This is the most important commandment. You will love the Lord your God with all, with all, with all. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then from a religion standpoint, everybody just goes with that one as an abstraction. If you're a part of a religion, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I love God. I got this. I know that he did this, he delivered us in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. I know that he sent Jesus as the Son of God. I'm, I know that and I love him for it. And so it's an abstraction. But then Jesus combines something with that abstraction to make it impossible to just check it off as something abstract. It's very, very not from the outside in as an abstraction. It's from the inside out and it's total, it's all. And... If you think you got this from the inside out, he makes it so nitty-gritty by saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says it in a way where the first and the greatest is this, and the second is like it, but I want you to know that some translations don't even put the end, and I think end is too soft because the word is actually usually translated but... 
okay? And some translations have neither. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. But the second is like it. Like it how? It's like the first one in that it too is the first and greatest commandment. And how can he package together like that? If you're asking for the greatest, can you have two greatests? And Jesus says, it's the only way you can have the greatest. Because if you have an abstract love for God that doesn't have for love for a brother, you don't have it. And if you don't have a love for a neighbor or even a love for an enemy, you don't even have a love for God the way that I'm calling you to love God. And so he packages it in such a way, it's no longer abstract, it is so pinned to the reality of where our struggle is to love our neighbor, to love our enemy even, Jesus says. And he shows us how to do both, love our enemies and love our neighbors. And he says, this, packaged together, is the greatest commandment. So all of this is so surprising. And you'll know, and if as you read the New Testament, you'll see Paul referring to the second half of it as the fulfillment of the whole of the, of the law. And you'll note that John refers to the two together. You can't have the one without the other. They got it. They got it from Jesus. And everybody listening from Jesus, they're surprised by the comprehensiveness of this package. So it's strongly relational. And so it's surprising, it's strongly relational, and point number three, it's deeply disturbing. Now, if you haven't been disturbed already, let me just disturb you. Really? You've got this? You love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind? You've got this? Yesterday, something came up that I thought was no big deal. It was just kind of a little thing, and all of a sudden, it's just cutting me to the heart. It was a big deal. It really was a failure on my part to love God well and love my neighbor well. It's like, oh my, I don't have this. Apart from what God does through Jesus Christ, we can't pull this off, period. Religion, and that's where the religious expert came from, does not work. If you're thinking that I need to just do this and this and this and this, then I'm good enough, I've got this, and he'll let me in. <laughs> Read the New Testament. No, you can't get in that way. It's deeply disturbing. I can't love God and love my neighbor the way it's described on my own. It's impossible. There's only one man who did it, Jesus. And it's because Jesus did it that we actually have good news. And the good news is that we can pull it off through a relationship instead of through religion through a relationship instead of through religion. So, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Oh, is that all? And love your enemy. This is Jesus' teaching because that includes your enemy when we say neighbor. It's not just your next-door neighbor. Although, it is also your next-door neighbor. Do you know your next-door neighbor's name? Ah! 
Do you know all your neighbor's names? Ah, <laughs> oh, love your neighbor too. Who is it that God brings into your life? Neighbor, enemy, if he brings them into your life, they're your neighbor. Love them. So, the first and greatest commandment is surprising, it's strongly relational, it's deeply disturbing, but point number four, good news! Good news is that although it is deeply disturbing to those of a religious mindset, it is fabulously freeing for those in relationship with Jesus because we can rely on a love that's bigger than our own. Every time we feel like we fall short, we go back to the cross and his victorious crucifixion has washed us clean. The failure has been buried with him. His resurrection is what gives us resurrection power through his spirit that he now releases to us, having been forgiven by the crucifixion and our sins taken away, now we can receive his spirit. It's fabulously freeing to lean on the spirit of God and begin to love somebody with a power that is not your own. Instead of being deeply distressing, it's a whole new way of life. And no, we will never accomplish it perfectly as Jesus did, but we're living in Jesus and we see Jesus shining through us and others do too to the degree that we come to that place and center of taking this teaching of Jesus seriously that it's all about Jesus in us, the good news. And so I wish to finish with a cobbled together statement that I think puts it together. I hope it's not confusing. It reads this way. The first and greatest commandment is our compass and lightning rod. It's at the center of every battle, the center of every temptation, and the center of every solution. It's at the heart of our choice between light or darkness, trust or doubt, hope or despair, obedience or disobedience, God's will or my will. The first and greatest commandment is our choice to be strengthened or weakened. Now let me just put some application to those words so that I hope you'll get what I'm trying to say. Jesus in this teaching let us know very clearly that upon this great commandment, which is a combo commandment, the rest of the law hangs. So even as we're entering into the rest of this series, the rest of the statements that we will go into hang on the commandment, love God wholeheartedly. Every one of us is an expression of loving God wholeheartedly as we go through all of this. If we've got this commandment, in the sense of we understand it's a connection with God that's a real relationship. It isn't a religion. It's a love that he has loved me with through Jesus. And it's a love I can respond back to because of Jesus. I mean, the apostles put it in words just like this. Because he sacrificed himself for you, you now can live for him. That's relationship. 
but it's a relationship that's been empowered by his accomplished victory on the cross and his giving of his spirit, his very life, into your life so that you can now respond with a love that is bigger than your love, that can love even when you don't feel like loving. And so, at the same time, it's the answer every time you're caught in that ugh or doubt, wherever it is, take yourself back to the center. Lord God, you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all of my worship, my devotion, my very life. Everything that is made that has been made has been made by you. Everything that has breath came from you. All these systems that I see, glorious systems, the rising of the sun, the green and the trees, it's all from you. And this very thing that I'm struggling, struggling with, you died for. This very thing that I've failed on, you have forgiven. You're my center. I want praise to always be on my lips because as I praise you and put praise on my lips, my face and my being, my soul gets recentered upon you. You are the answer. The love for you, that's the answer. And Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Because you died for me, I want to love you wholeheartedly no matter what. Everything's falling apart? Everything coming against you? I love God no matter what. If you don't feel like you have that kind of love, turn your face and your lips to him. And he will center you upon him again. And he will give you what you need. Out of that loving, pouring out, it comes by grace. You can't manufacture this. Just come to him and receive what you need to take another step and love him. Speak your praise. Speak your trust. Speak the truth. God, I don't understand why you didn't do this for me. God, I'm really hurting right now, but I love you. I trust you. You are God. I don't see how all the pieces fit together, but you're going to make it all fit together. The story after, I will understand. Right now, I don't, but I love you anyway. I love you no matter what. With the love that you've given me because Jesus loved me no matter what. All of us can come to a God who loves us that much to send his son to establish a relationship that's so personal and so loving and takes care of everything. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for loving us that much, for giving us a way to understand everything a little bit more simply that we just need to love you and turn back to you and choose light instead of darkness. Choose love and faith and choose out of the middle of this battle and this mess. And as we choose to decide what we're focusing on, to decide to love you and focus on you and express you and decide to cry out to help from you and to see you win step by step in our own lives little battles to bring glory and honor to your name. In this day, as we are all coming here with struggles of our own, help us to take a step towards you, to worship you, to love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.